This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Bet and Breakfast, a podcast from BetSided. Hey, does anybody want coffee? Who wants coffee? It's sports betting for everyone. I'm here to tell you today that the New York Yankees season is done. Stick a fork in them, it's over. Lamar Jackson, I can't believe he's that low on the list that he's my bet for sure at this point in the season. Early leans, best bets, props, parlays. If you can bet it, we've got it. I'm taking the over on this. If you look at the last five games, this is a game waiting for points to be scored. Tom Brady, I think everyone's heard of him. If Brady puts up the numbers, they have the 10th easiest schedule the rest of the way. Get in, get out, and you're ready to go. I think they're going to have to give him the award if Dallas ends up locking up this division and possibly even that number one seed. And here are your hosts, Ben Heisler, Ian McMillan, Peter Dewey, Donovan Smoot, and Reed Wallet. What comes before anything? What have we always said is the most important thing? Breakfast family. I thought you meant the things you need. What is good, everybody? Welcome into another weekend edition of Bet and Breakfast at our new time, 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, if you're on the West Coast. I'm Donovan Smoot. Got the homie Peter Dewey with me this weekend. We're going to try to get you locked in to all the NBA playoffs as we are. We're super excited. This is like a second Christmas for both of us. Yeah. Peter, what's going on, man? Dude, I am so fired up for today. I think we got a, a, a nice slate of playing games, especially last night, having two uh, pretty close games, honestly. Both of them went down to the wire. So got me fired up for today. We got four four great matchups. So I'm excited to dive in, man. This is this is like you said, this is second Christmas. This is the best time of the year for me. So I know. I, I, I can't wait. We got game by game analysis, some finals picks, some best bets for, for the night. But first, I want to get to what happened last night. We had two playing games last night. The nine seeds, both of the nine seeds end up winning. They take the eight spot. You have the Hawks beating the Cavs. And then you have the Pelicans coming back on the road, beating the Clippers. How did listen? How did you see those those games? What do you think about the Hawks and the Pelicans moving forward in in this playoff? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'll start with the Hawks game. I just think that game. I had the Hawks in that game. I just thought the playoff experience was gonna matter a lot. Like the Cavs have just they have not impressed me the second half of the season. I know Jared Allen got hurt. Like they lost a lot of guys, but like. They just they, everything took a step back. Their defense took a step back. Offensively, it was the Darius Garland show, and if he didn't have it going, they they were kind of screwed. And last night, he did not shoot well. I believe he was eight for twenty four at one point, in, like late in the fourth quarter. So, if he's not shooting well, they're they're gonna they were gonna struggle. And this Hawks team, I mean, Trey Young is that dude. Like he might be the best like NBA villain we've had in like a few years like him hitting that shot from the logo and then shimmying um to put when they took the lead for the like, second straight year in a row he's done that that's his yeah now. like he's just he like he's here and he i mean like i saw people last night and like we don't have to get like deep into this but like i saw people last night saying like john morant's better than trey young and i was like he's just not right now like like trey young is carrying yeah. the dude led the league in points and assists. like he's carrying this team and the hawks they lost Clint Capella last night, and I honestly think that might be a good thing for them because I like Okongu a lot better. He had a huge block late in the game um, when it was a three-point game. He stopped an alley-oop. Um, so the Hawks, they're dangerous. Like, we saw what they did last year. Obviously, defensively, they haven't been the same team. They don't have John Collins, and now they may not have Clint Capella. But, like, 
I think they give Miami a little bit of a run. I'm kind of happy they won over the Cavs because I just think the Cavs would have gotten rolled in the first round. I just don't – outside of Garland, like, they just didn't have enough offense. And, like, Mark and played one of the best games of his life last night, and they still lost. So, yeah. I I just don't – I'm kind of happy it, it came down to the Hawks winning because I just think it's better for the entire postseason. I, I'll push back on that a little bit. I think that the Cavs would have been decent just because they got Jared Allen back. And so, like, you've seen kind of – down the down the stretch of the season, you've seen Cleveland fall off, and like you said, really just if it's if Garland doesn't have it going, then they're not there. But the fact that you can have a trio of Garland, Allen, and Mobley, and now you can kind of get back to your defensive philosophy where you have like these twin towers, I think that would have been, you know, very very interesting to see. And also like with the Hawks, they found they found something moving Bogey to the bench. Right, because now, because now that he's there, his production is up. You and I think you saw it a lot in last year's playoffs, and that when Trey Young went to the bench, they just couldn't win non-Trey Young minutes. Mm-hmm. And now that you're kind of staggering them, you have a you have a secondary playmaker and ball handler on the floor, kind of at all times. And and so if Bogey can go and he can start running high pick and rolls, the same way that that Trey does. Now you don't really have to have like a huge huge drop off in your offense. And so I think, like, I'm, I'm with you. I think that the faster pace is going to be exactly what they want to get to in this mm-hmm. Miami series. And so what what, what do you think? Because I'm, I'm thinking maybe, like, five games. I'm, I'm thinking, like, either a hard five or an easy six for Miami. I think I think Atlanta can get it to six. I, th- I you make a great point about Bogey off the bench because like you look at last year what they did when Trey went to the bench it was like the Lou Williams show. Love Lou Will, but like defensively Lou Williams is it's, it's, it's terrible. And so this year now that they have Delon Wright, like they put Delon Wright on Garland in crunch time last night, mm-hmm. and it was great. Like he played great defense. And so like Delon Wright isn't the best offensive player, but like he's a solid point guard and he can defend it. Exactly what you said on the offensive end, you just put the ball in Bogey's hands and said you have Delon Wright play off the ball if that's what you want to do. Um, Miami scares me just because they are so deep and defensively, obviously they're a top ten team in the league defensively, and that's where Atlanta lacks. Like Atlanta's going to try and score. But, like, if the Heat just play their game, I think, you know, stylistically it benefits Miami. But at the same time, I mean, Trey Young, like, we've seen it in the playoffs. And the the frustrating part sometimes for people in the playoffs, like, you see the game get slowed down. You're like, oh, why doesn't everybody play defense like this in the regular season? But, like, when you have the one guy who could just go get you a basket all the time, which seems like that's what Trey Young is in the playoffs. I mean, he's done it for, I mean, we're looking at year two now of him doing this. I think they can give Miami six, and I wouldn't be surprised if, like, this series is 2-2. Go back to Miami. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. And, I, yeah, and so I, I think that we're kind of, like, in the same boat in, in Atlanta. And so I want to go to the West. And and so the, the Pelicans end up winning, right? The, the Clippers once again blow it. And so they go from the eight seed, who's, like, I think they were about five or six games above New Orleans. And, and I want to take this, I want to take this and go into, into a play-in conversation as a whole. Do you like the play-in, and do you think it's working? Okay. All right. So I'll start with it just real quick of the game yeah. first last night. Because Ty Lue made a fantastic adjustment. And, like, I'm not holding this Clippers loss on anyone. They didn't have Paul George. He gets COVID. It, horrible luck. Just absolutely horrible luck. But Ty Lue, they were down 56-41. And you and I have talked about this. They were down 56-41. 
he adjusts, goes small in the second half. They end up building a double-digit lead. And then just down the stretch, they ran out of gas. And credit to Willie Green, he adjusted, went to Trey Murphy, hit three big threes. Like, they ended up – like, both coaches were fantastic last night. Willie Green deserves a lot of credit considering the Pelicans started 3-16 and 16 and then they made the playoffs. So, he did a great job um, the, the entire second half of the season. But as for the plan, you bring up a good point. I think the plan is great in terms of we're getting playoff quality game seven type basketball, granted again, like between lesser teams, but game seven quality basketball for this week leading up, which I think is awesome. Like other than the Hornets game, every one of those playing games was a fantastic game. They were all close, like down to the wire. So that to me is like a good thing for the NBA. Obviously you create the parody, like these games mean more, but you bring up a good point because this is the issue I have. The Wolves and the Clippers were so far ahead of the 9-10 seeds, it feels almost unfair that they had to play the play-in games. Like, any other – like, the Wolves, like – and, yes, you get two chances to win one game, but it was like you played five games better than, like you said, than the Pelicans the whole year, and then it comes down to a winner-take-all game. Like, I just don't necessarily know if that's fair. I guess, like, everybody is playing with that, knowing that going into the season. But, like, in the East, it was a little different. Everybody was separated by, like, one or two games. So fair, yeah. But like I just feel like there ha- there might need to be a threshold like if you are up by x amount of games, you should just automatically get in there isn't a plan on that side. But I just don't know how they can kind of relegate that and make it fair for both sides. I'm so glad that you brought that up because that's that's my exact problem with with the playing. And I I've been anti-playing from the moment Adam Silver instituted it for a couple reasons. One, we're all over half the league already makes the playoffs, mm-hmm. right? It's a 30-team league, 16 teams already make the playoffs. So that's one. Two, you have this thing where it's like the reason for putting in the play is to say we're trying to make the regular season more valuable. But you're only making it more valuable for the team that that makes the sixth seed. It's it's only more valuable for them because in the grand in the grand scheme of things, Nine and ten, low key, might be better off tanking and trying to get a, a better draft pick because they're just going to go and get stomped out in the first round. Like it, it's not, it's not something common that you see for an eight seed to to make a run like that. Mm-hmm. And so if you if you play eighty two games and you're the seven seed, you're the eight seed, and this has happened two years in a row where where a team like the Warriors last year, the Warriors yeah. made the eight, they were the eight seed. And they lost two games in the play-in, and then they were out of the playoffs. And now you see it this year with Cleveland, and you see it with Los Angeles. And for the Clippers, like, if you're Paul George and you test positive for COVID any of the year, okay, cool. Like, you're out for game one, but you're you're going to be here for game two, and we still have a chance mm-hmm. in, in this. But now it's just, oh, we have bad luck. And now we don't have our superstar, and we find out 10 hours before the game. And so, like you said, it just feels very, very unfair to me. I feel like not in the sense of, like, competitive balance, but in competitive competitive integrity. Yeah. It, it feels wrong that way. I think, I think it's interesting, too, because, like, the original plan when they did it because of the bubble, because they had to kind of because they were cutting eight games, I believe it was, mm-hmm. off the regular season. Like, the East didn't have a play-in because the Wizards were so far out. They were just like, they were not even going to have a play-in. They were the only, I think there were nine Eastern teams invited to the bubble. The Wizards were the ninth, and they were like, they weren't going to make it anyway. So, they didn't get a play-in. And then the Blazers got a play-in. 
um, because against the Grizzlies, I believe it was. I think so. Um, so. Yeah, they got to play him because they were so close, and if they had played 82 games, it probably would have came down to it. And, like, I wonder if, like, that might have been the better call, even though it does give you less intrigue during the regular season, like, less teams are in it to get the 10 spot. But, like, I just – I agree. Like, it's unfair. Like, if the Wolves had lost – like, the the Timberwolves were, like, a game out of the six. So, like, if they had fallen out and they didn't, but if they had – it would be like, what are we doing here? Like, they were very clearly the number seven team in the West, and, like, they just lost two games in a row, and so now they're done. And, like, I just don't know if that's the the fair – the fairest way to do it, especially when, like, the Pelicans and the Spurs are, like, winning – under 35 games and not like, 500 yeah like it's just it's a tough like the east it was a completely different scenario you had all the teams won 40 game like 40 plus game like there was it was like okay yeah we can this deserves to be a play-in because they're all like it's separated by tiebreakers sure but it, i just don't know if you can do it both ways it seems it yeah. seems a little unfair and I don't think that they should do it both ways. I think you have to go back to the method of if you're not within three games, four games, whatever, whatever the threshold is, and it has to be like a realistic one. But mm. so I would say, I would say four games maximum. If you're not yeah. within that, if you're not within that, we're not giving you a plan. I think that not only for the eight and nine seed, but for the seventh seed, right? Like the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves shouldn't have had to play the Clippers to get the order, seven. In, in order to to get the seven, they've shown they're they're like five six games ahead of them. What what are we playing eighty two games for? If yeah. if I'm gonna have to, and it, I feel the same way. Baseball has this extremely stupid rule as well, where we play this extremely long season, and now it comes down to one game just to get into the playoffs when I've already proven myself. Mm-hmm. And so it just doesn't make sense to to put them in that position. You you bring up a great point. It's like, why are we playing eighty two games for exactly. if like if you play? Yeah, it's just there. They would have to come up with it. I doubt they change it because of the success of the closeness of all these games. Like they're probably like, hey, we like everybody play close. But like, obviously, you got to be pissed if you're the Clippers. I don't know if you can be as mad if you're the Cavs because it it, it was they were separated by a game. But you, I, they were separated by, like, a game, though. So, like, I don't know if it's as big of an art of argument. But, like, the Clippers, I get it. And the the thing is, is, like, you play the 82, and it's like you're taking an 82-game season, and you're like, actually, it boils down to two games. And, like, if you have injuries or whatever, like, sorry. Like, say with the Cavs, like, you don't have Jared Allen the first game. The Clippers, you don't have Paul George the second game. Like, sorry, you played 82. You were five games better than these guys. But guess what? It comes down to two games, and you may not have your best player. That's exactly. That's how it goes. So, yeah, I don't I don't know if I love that part of it, but I just think from the basketball perspective, like what we're going for in terms of the competition and like this is like playoffs get playoff basketball. Like every one of those games felt like a game seven, except for the Hornets game because it just was a blow. But like they all felt like a game seven. Like it was down to the wire. Everything was within a possession, like in the final minute. Like that's that's awesome, I think, for the league, just because you have that buildup before the playoffs start today. And like, it feels like the playoffs have been going on for a week already. Like, I honestly think we should just consider the play in part of the playoffs at this point. I, I, I think so. I think so as well. And it's, it's, it's really weird. Cause if you go on like basketball reference, you can't like, if you go on, on playoff stats, the playing game numbers aren't there. Mm-hmm. And then if you go on like the regular season, they're not there and nobody has a tab for it. And so it's just like up in the air. And so I'm, I'm, I am waiting to see like in the, 
in the future years when the NBA keeps going with this, where we have our little like he's two and four in the play in, in the play in tournament or, or whatever and does like those little stats. But so the Hawks, so the Hawks get in, right? They're they're the eighth seed, and then the Pelicans get in. They're they're the eighth seed. They're gonna be playing tomorrow. But we have four games today. And the first game, Jazz Mavs tips off in a little under two hours, about an hour forty-five minutes to mm-hmm. tip, tip at one Eastern. And so I'll, I want to start there, and we'll go in chronological order of the games today. Where, what's your beat on on this game? How are you feeling? Obviously, like Luca's not playing because of the calf strain. Do you think Dallas still has a chance? Yeah, Dallas is going to have to play their game, though. They, Dallas plays at the slowest pace in the NBA. They're going to have to probably slow it down just as much again because Utah's number one in offensive rating. So, like, you know the Jazz are going to be able to score. And uh, just offensively without Luka, like, this is going to be this is going to be a bit of a struggle. They're going to need a big game out of Brunson. They're going to need a big game out of Spencer Dinwiddie. I just don't know, like, we talk about it in the playoffs. We said with Trey Young, like, who do you go to down the stretch? Like, going to get you a bucket in like crunch time. Like, I just don't know who the Mads go to. Maybe it's Sinwitty, maybe it's Brunson. I feel like those have to be the top two guys. Outside of that, I just I don't really know who else they they look at. Um, this this line's been moving in favor of Utah too. Like right before we got on the show, it went from five to five and a half. So, mm-hmm. um, I feel like Dallas has defensively has been so good this year. Like. And I know you're you're on the side, so I'll let you talk. Yeah. I feel like there's some value on Dallas, but like I took a player prop as my best bet in this game. I took uh, Brunson over 30 and a half points, rebounds, assists because when Luca hasn't played, he's but 17. He missed 17 games this year, and Brunson's averaging 20.4 points, seven and a half uh, assists, and 3.9 rebounds. So like, I feel like that's like it's going to have to be a big Jalen Brunson game. It's going to be him and Dinwiddie with the ball in their hands, but. Yeah, as for a side, I'll let you take it because I honestly I'm not really sure. I listen, I'm a hundred percent on and I'll and I'll probably reiterate it sometime during the show, but I had a quick hit video yesterday. Uh I'm all over this game. I I love the Mavs. I, I picked them at, at plus five. And so like you said, the line moved towards Utah. And so now it's plus five and a half for Dallas. And I'm just sitting here like let's like let's go. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because I don't trust Utah in the playoffs as and the one thing that I may be undervaluing is playoff Donovan Mitchell. That's the one thing that kind of scares me because the last two seasons, like he has turned it up and he's just become this absolute, like a start, like every year in the playoffs you leave and you're like, man, like if Donovan Mitchell can do that for 82 yeah. games, right. We're talking, we're talking about him in like top 10 conversation, mm-hmm. but for some reason he just saves it for, for the playoffs. So I may be undervaluing that, but like the Jazz across the season, so they had 56 games where they were at least five point favorites. They were 26, 28, and two in those games. Okay. Right? Across across the season. You mentioned the the Brunson numbers. He's also shooting 49% without Luca in those games. Right? He's su- he's he's super efficient. And then think if you think about how ball dominant Luca is and how high his usage rate is. The Mavs, even without him, they went eight and nine. They were basically five hundred without Luca. And so, if you're talking about like one one game, we're going to start the playoffs here in Dallas, home court advantage. If Brunson can be, if Brunson can be that, if he sh- if Brunson shoots fifty percent, it's a lock. Like I'm I'm like I'm very very I'm very very comfortable with this with this pick because I just don't think that Utah. 
is going to be able to to put it all together. I think Dallas's defense can can hold them down. And I want to see. Obviously, he's not Luca. I want to see what Brunson and Dinwiddie do to go bear in the pick and roll, because mm. because defensively, Utah's perimeter defense isn't fantastic. And so if if they can get if they can get Donovan Mitchell out and let's like I want to see them low key like attack him on the defensive side of the ball. Let's see if we could pull Gobert away from the basket a little bit. I think that's probably going to have to be the game plan for them. But if they do that, yeah, I'm I'm very I'm very comfortable with this. I was going to say that I was wondering if Jason Kidd's going to try and go small at some point today, and so they have to take Gobert out or like just make them play offense kind of through Gobert and just be like, hey, we'll let you get twos. Like I wonder what his 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 go to is going to be because we haven't seen much of the Mavs without Luca since the Dinwiddie trade. So I'm I'm intrigued to see what he does. I'm intrigued to see if he plays a lot of Brunson and Dinwiddie together or if he decides to try and stagger a lot of their minutes. I feel like that probably makes more sense, but I feel like you also want both of them on the floor in like certain points so you have more than one ball handler. Um but yeah, this this is going to be an interesting game. I think like the Jazz rightfully rightful favorites. I think we can both agree that they're yeah. rightful favorites with Luka out, but you make a good point. Like they've also been like really bad to end the regular season. They collapsed against a bunch of teams. So I just don't know on the road laying the points with them is, is that would have me worried. That's why I'm kind of staying away from, from this game, just like making an actual pick on it. I'm like, that's why I went with a prop. Cause I just, I just don't like, I could see Utah blowing Dallas out. Like if Dallas just didn't have enough offense, but at the same time, like, I also could see the Jazz being the Jazz, and like we're just like here we are. They're going to lose to a team without Luka Doncic, so that's why I'm staying away. Yeah, and and I, the last point I'll make on this is it low key feels, and maybe I'm just trying to like manifest and just speak it into <laughs> it. It low key feels like a Tim Hardaway kind of night. Like like would it would it shock you if Tim Hardaway just came out and was like the best player on the floor tonight, and he had like 25 and was. Eight of eight, eight of twelve. It, it would it wouldn't shock me if Tim Hardaway just caught fire today. Is he is he back tonight? It said that I saw it because I know he is had he, the broken foot. Kid said he's unlikely yeah. to return today. I think. Uh, uh, I thought so he that was, would they I I, I thought I thought, I thought he was I thought he was on his way back. No, so yeah, I don't think he's gonna play today. Which that that stinks because this would have been you're right. This would have been like the perfect spot. Just like yeah. let him go crazy. That's like the guy they're missing right now. Like you talk about, go get a bucket guy. Yeah. But yeah, if he's not gonna play, that's that's what concerns me. Like I, they just don't have anyone who like you just like give the ball to them at the end of the game and be like, let's let's get one. Yeah. You know who does have that? Memphis has that. They do. And and John ja, ja Moran. And so they're gonna play after. They're six and a half point favorites right now. I I know where I stand. I'm very big on Memphis in this series. I and I, I'll I'll let you go because I think that my stance is a little bit harder. Um, so how do you see the series falling out? Yeah, so I will save my best bet for this game for later because mm-hmm. it's my best bet of the day. Um, but I I think this is gonna be grizzlies and six personally i think the wolves can get one the big thing with the wolves is like these two teams they two highest scoring teams in the league average most points per game wolves play at the fastest pace i don't think the wool like the grizzlies will worry about like if we play fast we play fast because they have been top 10 defense and offense but all year 
they've won without Jaw. They've won with Jaw. Like it, the Grizzlies are, they're good. Like they're a very good team. I think like they got the two and it feels like, oh, they're a young team. Like, should we really be respected? Like, I feel like we have to at this point. They've been too good all season to like not respect them as the two seed. Um, the thing for me with the Wolves, like Cat having that bad game in the play in and Russell and Edwards just stepping up is like that to me is like this is the ceiling of this team. You get all three of those guys going at once, it is going to be very tough to stop. But at the same time, I think Minis- or Memphis is just a better all around team. I like them defensively. Um, and if it comes down to it, like I'm taking John Morant probably over anybody on Minnesota. So I, I think the Grizzlies win in six, but I'm not going to sleep on the wolves. Like I'm not going to fall into the narrative of like, Oh, Pat Bev's going to bring the intensity, like Kevin Harlan, just saying he's the most impactful player during that entire playing game. I was just like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Come on, man. Like, what are we saying? But I, I just don't, I don't think the wolves are going to be an easy out. Like they, they have enough offensive firepower where I think they might be able to steal a game or two. That's tough because I don't think, (laughs) This is a sweep. This Ooh. is a sweep. I, I, I'm listen. The Grizzlies are are real and they're legit. And I think the fact that the fact that they showed that they can play without Ja, right? You see so many times in playoff series, especially with teams that have like one superstar, that the key for them is always okay. Can we win non X superstar minutes? Yeah. With the Grizzlies, they're winning full games without Ja, right? They're they're going they're going this entire season. Ja missed a majority of like the last two months of the year, and they're winning. They won twenty games without him, and so I don't see I don't see it like an area where Minnesota can come in and kind of sneak their way in to to take advantage of everything. I think Russell played very much above his pay grade in, in the play in. I think that he hasn't been that D'Angelo Russell in a couple years, and he's been very inconsistent this entire season. Then, then you have the cat game. I think it, I think it balances out. Obviously, like Russell's not going to be as bad as Cat was, but if you're asking, okay, we're going to have two guys go for basically thirty in Edwards and Russell. Most likely, they're looking for Cat and Edwards to yeah. go for thirty. And then you have Russell do whatever he does, but I just don't i I don't see I don't see Minnesota having enough enough depth to compete with Memphis's depth. I think that the Grizzlies, from top to bottom, that from top to bottom, the roster is better. They have they have John Morant. They have another most improved player candidate in Desmond Bain. They have a defensive player of the year candidate in Jaron Jackson Jr. Like. There's just so there's so many guys. Is is Cat gonna be able to to bully Stephen Adams in this series? No, I think I think you can't bully him down low. I think the big thing with Cat is they're gonna have to. He's gonna have to shoot the ball from three. He's gonna have to bring him out. Yeah, I mean he shot forty one percent from three this year. So like we know he can do it. Won the three point contest, but like he's gonna. That's gonna. I feel like that's Minnesota's big play is like if we can get Stephen Adams off the floor and they go small with, like, Jaron Jackson Jr. at the five, can we beat them up that way? Like, I feel like that might be their, their like, that's what they have to do. But I just don't, like, Steven Adams isn't a bad defender. He's just not the greatest perimeter defender. So, like. Yeah. And and I and I, and I get that. But if, but, and so my play with Memphis is, is ex, even if Minnesota gets exactly what they want, and now we're talking about Jaron Jackson Jr., you know, 
playing the five. Mm-hmm. He leads the league in, in blocks. The rim protection's there. So so we can go and have whoever out on Cat. And and I I know Cat's a good shooter. But if he's going to take threes and just be a flamethrower for the entire series, I'm just going to have to live with that. And I'd rather him do that than Anthony Edwards go to the rim and get and get whatever he wants. Then D'Lo yeah. run pick and rolls, get whatever he wants. Cat cat being able to bully whoever and get down to, to the rim i if they if they catch fire and just become the best three-point shooting team in, in the league over the next you know week or two by all means do mm. so but i don't think that they're going to be able to do that and defend at the same level that memphis is going to be able to to do so yeah for for what is worth the, the wolves do lead the league in threes made per game but they also take 41.3 per game they're shooting a just over 35%. So they're like 12th. Yeah. 12th in the league. Like I, I, you make a good point about Memphis's depth. Like I think just like in terms of like true rotation guys, they have a few more, but like Malik Beasley solid. Jaden McDaniels is solid. Like the wolf, the wolves have some pieces there. I, I wouldn't like bank on like, Oh, I, I love their depth. Like Nasri can give you good minutes to like spell cat. Um, but yeah, this, I just, I don't like, I just don't think it's going to be a sweep. I think Minnesota is too good offensively to get swept. I I would be surprised if they if they throw up four clunkers, they're going to get swept. But I think there's going to be like one game where I'm like, oh, the Wolves scored 120 points, they won. Like that that I feel like that can happen. And if it was against a lot of other teams, I would say I would say so as well. But Memphis can put up 120, that's, right? That's like true. they they get job back, and I, I know they played the Pelicans, but they get job back. They put up 55 points in the third quarter. They put up 140. So I I just like the ceiling of Memphis a lot better. I think that they are 100% locked in. And whether or not they get to the finals or do whatever, I feel like this entire lead-up to the playoffs and this entire season for Memphis has just been it's just been bubbling. And they have, mm-hmm. a lot of, they have a lot of energy. In terms of today's game, game one, I, I'm, I'm laying the points, right? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet the Grizzlies today. And um, I honestly might bet them to to blow them out, get an ultimate spread, wow. and and get this by at least like double digits. I, I just I respect it. You're sticking to your guns. I respect it. I'm I'm gonna save my pick. I'll save it for uh yeah. for our best bets part, so we can so we can keep this going. But yeah. I I like it. I like you sticking to your guns here. They, they better blow them out then. <laughs> let's 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 do it. Let's do it. Are, are you ready for some slander? For some I, for some Doc Rivers slander, I dude, me and Doc Rivers slander, handshake all this. Let's, let's go. Let's let's get it fired up because so the Sixers are four and a half point favorites at home to the, to the Raptors today. I think both both of us are pretty are pretty like set in in our picks for this game. Mm-hmm. I think we're both on Toronto. Yes, sir. Um, do they get game one though? I think they're live to get game one. I took them plus four and a half. I, I think they're live to get game one. They've won three of the four matchups against the Sixers. And I was looking back on it. The one matchup that the Sixers won, uh, the Raptors started Utah, Wantanabe, and Malachi Flynn in that game because they didn't have OG and Obi and Fred Van Vliet due to COVID. So, I mean, the Sixers have not beaten this team at full strength this season. And I like we we bring up Doc Rivers and we can talk about him whatever we want. But like, I think the Raptors win this series. I bet them to win this series. I took them a plus one seventy when the the first series lines came out. Like I, 
this Sixers team is just, they're not deep at all. They're not going to have Matisse Thibault on the road. So like you already are taking a semi short rotation, like that needs Danny green off the bench basically as your primary off the bench defender. And like, we're talking about like, I like Danny green, like career wise, Danny green is old now. Like you can't be relying on him to be your number one perimeter defender. Like you just can't. And so like now he's probably gonna have to slide into the starting lineup. So that that like scares the hell out of me on the road. But in the, in terms of this game, um, you just look at Toronto this year against them. They've held them beat in check in basically every game. He had one game he got thirty six against them. Other games they've held him in check. Um, and on top of that, like the Raptors love to play slow. They play at the twenty sixth slowest pace in the in the league, or the twenty seventh sorry slowest pace in the league. Sixers are twenty sixth, so they love to slow the ball down. Both these teams. Like that, whatever Philly wants to do offensively is going to play into what Toronto wants to do. They're a better defensive team than the Sixers this year in terms of defensive rating. So, like, you slow this game down, it's going to, like, if they play this the way that both these teams have played this season, it's going to naturally be a close game at the end of the game unless somebody has a clunker offensively. Like, that's just the way these two teams play. And so that's why, like, if you're going to tell me I can get four and a half points with the Raptors all day, I, I think this could come down to, like, a final possession type of game. And unless James Harden becomes like a the new J like the old James Harden, the new James Harden stinks this year. Shooting forty one percent from the field and thirty three percent from three, like worst field goal percentage since his rookie year, worst three point percentage ever. So unless he completely flips the script in the playoffs, why not Toronto in this series? You know why not? Yeah, I I think this game. I'm I'm still a little torn, but I think I might take Toronto. In, in, okay to take game one. And wow. I feel like I, I think the series might go seven. Cause like as, as much as we, as much as we're hating on, on Philly, like they're still a good team yeah. and they, and they still have the star power on the other side. You have Joel and beat. So I don't think that like Toronto's going to come in and just, you know, watch Philly, but in terms of game one. And so late, later, later, later today, cause it's not up yet, but we have our best bets of the, the day, our best prop bets. And so for me, I'm taking, James Harden under 21 and a half points. And so it's at, it's at minus 105. And so part of the reason why I was doing it, one, he's missed a line in six of his last eight games. Um, and one of the games that he cleared it at, he cleared 21 and a half by scoring 22 points. <laughs> and like the just coming into the playoffs, James is shooting terribly, shooting like 35% from the field under 30% or like right at 30% from three. So the last time he played the Raptors, he went three for 12. Like Toronto just has a lot. They have a lot of length and they have a lot of wings that they could just switch and switch and switch and just keep throwing guys at James Harden. And if he's not, if he's not going to be able to get to the rim, which he's hasn't shown the ability to do so basically all year. Mm-hmm. If he can't do that and he's going to have to settle for outside threes against OG and, and against Scotty Barnes and against Pascal, like all these guys are going to be right in his face. I don't think yep. that Harden's going to have a good enough game to support and beat in game one. And I really think that they're going to get punched in the mouth today. And so I, I think that Toronto comes into Philly, steals this one, and puts them on track to get the series. Yeah, I don't I don't hate that at all. I think it, it really is gonna come down to like you talk about the star power, but like Joel Embiid 
this isn't an easy matchup for him because, like you said, they have so much length. He talked about it himself after the 6-for-20 game he had um, when they lost a couple weeks ago. That, like, they just double him and they throw these these guys that have a ton of length at him in doubles. It makes it hard for him to get and pass the ball out of the double team. So, like, if you have Ken Birch on him or Precious Achua, yes, he has the size advantage on those guys. But, like, the second he posts up, they're throwing Pascal Siakam or they're throwing OG Ananobi or Gary Trent at him. And, like, now he has to give the ball up. And if you start Matisse Thibel the way the Sixers have, there's one guy on the floor that the Raptors can say, hey, we will let him shoot the three every single time. So now, if you're Toronto, it's like, we'll double and beat every time, and we'll just dare them to beat us with Matisse Thibel. And if Matisse Thibel hits five threes in the game and they win, Nick Nurse is probably like, whatever, man. Yeah, he's like, whatever. Because Matisse Thibel is then going to have to do that three more times for them to win the series. I just don't see that happening. And like unless like I said, unless Harden like turns back the clock and like takes everything he's done this entire season, just like that wasn't the real me. I'm back to my old self. Which like we can't say that's gonna happen in the playoffs, especially against a good defensive team. And the Doc Rivers Nick Nurse thing, don't think we see it as much in game one because Nick Nurse is just he's great at making adjustments. So I don't think game one you're gonna be like, oh, like Nick Nurse just completely like outcoached Doc Rivers. He might, but like I think it's gonna be as the series goes on, you'll be like, oh my god, Nick Nurse did this, and Doc Rivers just kept playing DeAndre Jordan. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's why they that's why they won the series. So yeah, I I just think I love the Raptors to cover because I, I agree with you. I think they're live to upset. Um, but I unless like Embiid goes off every game, I just can't see the Sixers winning this series like I just don't I don't see the path for them of like if both these teams play the way they have all season where it's like the Sixers have relied so heavily on Embiid if Embiid doesn't have those games which he hasn't had against the Raptors all year what are they gonna do and so that's why I'm on Toronto but I may just be crazy like obviously there's the star power there but I I just don't see it for Philly no I'm so I'm, I'm I'm completely with you and I think the only I think the only way that Philadelphia can get can get game one and then also get the series and kind of get themselves into a rhythm is if they do that, that foul baiting crap that they always yeah, do. Yeah. And because like, it's gonna, it's gonna play into their hands because the game is already going to slow down mm-hmm. if they can. And so I'm, I know you were saying Toronto wants the game to slow down, but that's still like in a moving, you know, kind of, kind of game. If the game is stopping every 10 seconds because yeah. Joel Embiid is, is foul baiting, because James Harden is hooking people, that's going to be annoying. And I think that that's going to be a way that, that they can, can get it. I feel like the peak of that was in was in the Philly-Brooklyn game. And yeah. the peak of it. And the only difference was, like, Brooklyn was like, okay, yeah, you guys can go do that foul bait. We have Kevin Durant, who's on fire. Yeah. And so – and we have Kyrie Irving. So we'll just – we'll just take their – we'll take their efficient three points to your – to your free throws. So I think that the free throw stuff is the only way that they're going to be able to get it. Yeah. I think the benefit for Toronto is at least like we talked about, they have several defenders. They can throw up both of these guys like big wise. They can go Birch. They can go Achua. They could go Siakam. They could go Chris Boucher all as like the primary and bead defender. And obviously they're going to double every time he touches the ball. And for Harden, like you have Gary Trent, you have OG and Nobi, you have Scotty Barnes, um, you could put Fred Van, Fred Van Vliet's a good defender. Like he's undersized, but he's a good defender. So like you could put him there. You could go Malachi Flynn if you really wanted to. So like they have the depth to like throw a bunch of different guys at them. So it, it's not like, it's not ideal if you get in foul trouble, but like you have options, I guess is what I'm saying. 
Yeah, for sure. And so we got all right. So we got one more game left on the docket. And so it's Nuggets Warriors. It's your guy Nikola Jokic versus versus Steph Curry, who is who's still like on the fence of, mm-hmm. about being back. But the Warriors are still six and a half point favorites, which I'm not gonna lie. I feel like it's kind of high for Game One. Really? I, I I feel like even with like, I think that with the uncertainty of Steph coming back, because I have I haven't seen it at least the the official news that Steph is gonna be there today. I know that he said that he was optimistic. Um, for for game one, and they were that the plan was still for him to come back for game one, but I, I haven't seen it been confirmed. So I just, I just feel like it's a little bit putting a lot of pressure on Clay Thompson to be hot in order for them to cover that. And while he has listen, Clay's been he's been Clay right for the last like 10, 15 games. I still just think that that's a little high. I think Jokic is going to be able to get whatever he wants down mm-hmm. low. And this might be a little bit closer than, than you know, than a lot of people think. All right. So I'm a, I'm on the other side. This is a tough series for me because, like, Nicole Jokic is my MVP, and I've been, like, dying on that hill the entire season that he, like, is far and away the most valuable player in the NBA right now. But I also love Steph Curry. I would love to see him. I would love Warrior Suns in the conference finals. I think that would be unbelievable series to get I think to that's watch. What we're yeah, I, I hope so. That's that's what I'm hoping. But so the way I look at this game, because six and a half points on the surface, it looks like a lot of points. If Steph plays, I'm assuming all the news has been paused around him. I can't see him missing this game unless he has a setback in like warm-ups or something like that. I assume he's gonna play in this game. The thing that I've been looking at this year, so the Warriors, when Jordan Poole scores 15 or more points, are 32-16 and 16 this year. They win two-thirds of their games. Steph is probably not going to play his full minutes tonight, which means we're going to get more Jordan Poole. I said this on our Best Bets video on Tuesday. Jordan Poole is the best number three option after Stephen Clay, the Warriors have had other than Kevin Durant. It's it's like not even close. Like you look at some of the other guys, like Andrew Wiggins, yeah, he had a good start to the year. He's faded so bad off the all-star break. Like before that, it was like what Harrison Barnes? Like Draymond was never the offensive like threat that like you really wanted to like Igudala, even in his earlier years, was never mm-hmm. like you were asking him to score a lot of points. Like Jordan Poole has been awesome this year and he stepped up huge the last 12 games without Steph he was averaging over 24 a game like they have somebody to go to if Steph doesn't have it or if they want to limit Steph's minutes tonight and the offense doesn't really change that much like it really doesn't like obviously Steph Curry does things that nobody else can do but like Jordan Poole is like a poor man Steph Curry right now in the way that they run their offense. Like they run him off a ton of screens. They run a lot of pick and roll with him. And they're just kind of like, hey, this is how we're going to beat you. We're going to beat you with Clay and and Jordan Poole. And we're just, we're going to, and we're going to go from there. The Jokic thing scares me because he's averaging 28, 15, and eight against the Warriors this year. And like they have nobody size wise to match up with him. Like Kavon Looney is just not big enough to, to play him necessarily. But the Nuggets also stink when Jokic goes to the bench. So, like, Jokic is going to have to play, like, 40 minutes tonight. And I don't even know if they win the Jokic minutes, like, in those 40 minutes. Like, I think Golden State can at least break even. And then those, you know, 8 to 10 non-Jokic minutes we see tonight, like, Golden State might blow them out of the water. Like, this, the Nuggets supporting cast just stinks. And, again, nothing of Denver's fault. Like, not having Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray those guys being hurt like you can only build a roster so well like you lose two of your top three players there's there's nothing you can really do so 
I, I laid the points with the Warriors in this game. I'm like surprised that it didn't get higher. Like it was at four and a half, went to six and a half when the Steph was announced that he's probably probably gonna play. Um I just Denver's supporting like unless Jokic goes nuclear, I I can't see them staying in this game. Especially I, at, at, in, at or uh not Oracle, Chase Center now. One hate Chase Center, don't like it. <laughs> it embodies everything about corporate basketball that, that I hate. It's, it's true. It's, it's, it's true. awful. It's terrible. That's one. Two, Jokic, I think he's listen, for like you said, I just think he's gonna go nuclear. I like I look at Kevon Looney and I and I every time I see him, I'm just like, yo, how are you still playing basketball? Because he has <laughs> he has like a million bra- no, like he always has like an elbow brace, a knee brace, his mouth guard just looks thicker. Like it's just it's just like it, he always seems like he just is recovering from another injury. And so I don't know how he's still playing. Draymond, as good as a of a defender he is, he doesn't have anything for Jokic. You, you know, like he's just he just doesn't have the size for it. And so yeah, like exactly. I, I especially if Jokic wants to go bully ball. Um side note, I always love those the memes of, of people like can Draymond guard Shaq. And it's like that. And it's it, they'll Photoshop like Shaq doing the doing the disrespectful dunk on like Chris, on <laughs> Chris like, Dudley, yeah, on Chris Dudley. <laughs> but like that's how I feel with with Draymond and Jokic. Is that if if Jokic decides, hey, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna you know put my back to the basket and I'm just gonna get two every time. They don't really have anything for it, and it sucks because it's not Jokic's game to be to just like go and be dominant down low because he wants to get everybody involved. Mm-hmm. But I think that's I think that's part of the way that if the Warriors were to do this, that's kind of what they have to do is let's let Jokic Jokic you can go for fifty every night we don't care, but I'm not gonna have you throwing these Sports Center highlight passes across the court. I'm not yeah. having you throw these skip these throw these skip passes to Monte Morris and Bones Highland in the corner. That's just not gonna happen. So if you want to go and you want to get fifty, that's okay. But these other guys who are already bad, we're not going to give you the opportunity to let them get hot. Yeah. And that that's what I think that the strategy should be for Golden State. I don't know if they're necessarily going to come out in game one and do it, nor do I think that they have the tools to kind of, to kind of combat that. Even if they do go, go to that strategy, I don't know if they'll have it game one. Okay. I, I think I think that would have to be I think that's going to be an adjustment for them, but I don't think that that's going to be game one strategy. Okay. And, so, and so I think Denver is going to be able to stay relatively close because those shooters will, will be OK. OK, I the, my thing with Golden State, they're 31 and 10 straight up at home this year. <laughs> um, the thing that worries me with the Nuggets is like as road dogs there this year, they are. Give me one second. I had the number up and I. I refreshed my page. As road dogs this year, they haven't been great. Twelve and nine against the spread. That's it's terrible. Fine. It's fine, but like I, my, like I think the Warriors they can play two ways. They can play one of two ways. What you said, where it's just let Jokic go one on one, and like if he's just gonna score every time, he scores every time, whatever. Or you can just double him and be like, we are going to dare Austin Rivers and Will Barton to like make jump shots, and like I just, I mean that's fair. I I, I just. At the end of the day, I just think the Warriors have so many different guys. If Steph plays, especially, they can go to offensively. 
where you're like, we can go to Wiggins, we can go to Clay, we can go to Poole, we can go to Steph, we can, you know, run the pick and rolls where Draymond's throwing the lobs to somebody. Like, they they have so much offensively. And Denver's not a bad defensive team. But then you go the other side, it's like Denver's going to need to play perfect on offense in the non-Jokic minutes to, like, stay afloat. Like, I just – like, they they just don't have the, the tools for it. So, mm-hmm. it, it'll be interesting – Six and a half is like probably the highest I play. I don't think I play it any any further than that. But I just I can't get behind Denver in Golden State is is really tough for me. They they might they might come out and give them a tough one tonight. But I just I'd have to wait before I, I did that. The Warriors are too good at home. Yeah, I I feel that. And again, that's that's very fair. I just I have I have a little bit of faith in in Jokic today. And if the Nuggets don't win, then he is not my MVP. And so that, and so that's just how, how we're gonna roll. I, I don't think I don't think the Warriors win this series in like four or five. I think this goes at least six. I think Jokic gets them two wins because he's just that good. I, like, I I hope I hope so. But then at the end of the day, they also got swept last year by by Phoenix. True, but uh, he got a first round series win though, so I will he, give him credit for that. That was against the Blazers. They're not real. <laughs> they're 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 not real. You know. All right, we got we got. Best bets and finals picks. Let's 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 get on out of here. I want to hear your best bet for day one out of the four games, and then I want you to let everybody know where you're going for the finals. At the end of all of this, who's who's playing who, and who's and who's raising the trophy? All right, I'll start with best bet for today. I saved this one for the end, so hopefully everybody who stuck with us uh, through this episode, you're gonna get my best bet today. Contrarian play. Grizzlies, Wolves, two highest scoring teams in the league, under 236. Few reasons why. Okay. They've played four times this year, and three of the games have gone under this number. The only one that went over went to overtime. So they needed overtime to, to push this over 236. Um, on top of that, over the last six seasons, pace in the NBA playoffs. We talk about this all the time in terms of defense and for teams, and then just the natural pace of play. It slows down in the playoffs. You look at the last six years, compared to the pace, average pace in a regular season, average pace in the playoffs, it's been minus one point eight possessions per like per one hundred possessions than like the regular season every single year. So this game is not going to be as fast paced. No matter how fast the Wolves try to play, it's not going to be as fast paced as normally is. You look at their playing game as an example. Wolves averaged ninety one shots per game in the regular season. They only took eighty three in the playing game. So less shots. 236 is a lot of points, and I know these teams score a lot of points, but you got to think at some point, either one, two young teams, a little bit of playoff jitters. And then the second thing is, is they haven't played like a crazy high scoring game between each other all season long. So like, I, I think like this number has been moving. It was at 234. It's now at 236. This is when I'm hopping in on the under. Like, I, I just think you can't expect these teams to both put up 120 like it's that's a lot to ask for in a playoff atmosphere against teams that are not bad defensively um so that that is that's my best bet of the night i'm taking the under that game's at 330 i believe um in that one and then finals i i got the suns against the bucks in a rematch i'm taking the suns in seven um kind of talked this a little bit on best bets but i think phoenix is just by far the best team in the NBA right now. And unless somebody gets hurt, I just don't think anyone is as complete as they are. The Bucs is the, like the part of this finals pick that scares me because obviously they're going to have to go through either Brooklyn or Boston. 
um, in the second round, which is obviously a tough match. And then you probably have to play, I would guess, Miami in the conference finals. So not like an easy road for them, but like Phoenix, if they can take down the Pelicans, which I think they do easily, you're getting a banged up Luka probably and the Mavs, or you're getting the Jazz who like, are we really going to do this again and be like, oh, the Jazz, like they, we know they're not going to the conference house. Exactly. So, and then like, yeah, a match, a Suns-Warriors matchup, which is what I'm hoping we get, would be very, very fun. But I mean, Phoenix has been dominant this year and there was a stat that came out from espn stats and info um the suns are like the fifth team to hold the only be the only 50 win team for like 10 or 20 or more days something like that i wrote about this over at bet sided um every single one of the teams that's done that before has went on to win the finals yeah crazy like trend stat but like this is like unprecedented how much better they've been than everybody else this season so that's why i'm taking them i think it'll be a good series though for sure that's 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 fair I do uh, – here's, here's, here's where I stand on that, right? Because I do not have the Suns winning. Okay. and Because I think that they get knocked out by the Warriors. Mm. I think that a healthy Steph, Clay, Dre – we haven't seen a healthy Steph, Clay, Dre lose in six years. Yeah, yeah that is that is true. Crazy right? to think about. It's, and, and obviously the, the Kevin Durant factor, but – even even in even in the run leading up to to the finals in 2019 when Durant's out and you have the Warriors down by 15 at halftime every single night and they're just like okay like you ready you ready let's go and yeah and they they just blow them out so I just I don't have enough confidence to bet against them as an entity so that's why I'll take the the Warriors um, but as for my best bet tonight though. So I said it earlier, it's the Mavs plus five and a half, right? I took this at plus five. And this plus five and a half, you know, jump all over this. I think that we were talking earlier about who's going to have to step up. Is it going to be a Dinwiddie game, a Brunson game? I think this is going to be a Brunson game. He's been – Jalen Brunson is good, and he's been really solid. He can hold down the four a lot. And I think the fact that he's scoring, that without Luka, it's not just volume scoring. It's efficient volume mm-hmm. scoring. The fact that he's doing it close to 50% is going to be huge. And if he can get – if him and Dinwiddie – I want to see if Kid would, would do this because Dinwiddie has some size to him. If he and Dinwiddie can get into actions together, that's that's going to be super interesting. If Brunt can get in, into the lane, if they can somehow play Gobert off the court and he can get to the rim a little bit, yeah, I, I like this a lot. I think I, I'm stealing a you know page out of Ian's book. And I'm gonna underreact to yeah. the loss of a you know MVP candidate, but like I just I can't get behind Utah tonight. I, I just can't I just can't do it. And so like you know I'll I'll take the Mavs plus five. At the end of it all, though, the Bucks are my finals pick. I'm taking the Bucks in six against the Warriors. Um, and back so I know. Back. I know. I I just said that I'm not comfortable betting against a healthy Steph Clay Dre, <laughs> and I'm gonna bet against them. But that's kind of just because it's Giannis's time. I think I Giannis is the best player in the world right now, and um, you just you just watch what he does on a nightly basis, and you're just like, man, like that's crazy. It's crazy that he can dribble. <laughs> from three quarters of the court in two dribbles and get and get to the other end. I the same issue that we're talking about 
that Golden State might potentially have with Jokic, I think that they might have the same thing with Giannis mm-hmm. in that they don't have anybody down low um, to to guard him. And you, you're going to kind of see like 2018, what, what LeBron did in 2018 where he was just getting to the rim every single time against the Warriors. You're kind of going to see Giannis do the same thing in the series. Mm-hmm. And you have Drew Holiday that you could put on Steph and he can chase him around. And if you could be a little bit physical with Steph, there's there's times you could bump him off and get him out of his game. We'll see if Klay Thompson can hold up throughout this entire playoff run. Chris Middleton, I want to see if Chris Middleton's going to be consistent, but it it like it seems like like this core has kind of unlocked a new level after winning the chip. So when they're all together, they're on fire, and so I'll I'll take them in six over over the Warriors. Um, and yeah, so that's that's how it's gonna go. You're gonna go with with the Suns over the Bucks in a rematch. I'm gonna take the Bucks, and that's how the entire playoffs is gonna go for today, you know. But hey, that's been betting breakfast for for day one of the NBA playoffs. We're super excited. We will be back tomorrow to preview all the yes, games for day two. We have the teams who made it in from the play-in: Nets, Celtics, Bulls, Bucks. But until then, may all your bets hit and hope you guys have fun.